All right, welcome back to the big program. Nine o'clock in Edmonton as we welcome in our co-host on Tuesdays, Grant Fuhr from Palm Desert. Uh, probably nice and toasty down there. Grant, uh, how was the weekend? Uh, you know, it was pretty good. Nice, relaxing weekend. Had to bounce up to Vancouver for a few hours, so not too bad. So you did the signing right in Vancouver and then the puck drop? Uh, puck drop on Friday night, signing Saturday, back home Saturday night. Oh. So, nice, busy little weekend. Oh, good. And that was at the Vancouver Giants game. It was. How did the game go? It was. Uh, if you're a Giants fan, not good. <laughs> they, they got beat 5 nothing. so. Oh. But Prince, Prince George looked pretty good. Saw a couple of old friends out Prince George. Mm-hmm. Mark Lamb's the head coach there. Jimmy Playfair's the assistant, so couple of old Oilers. Yeah, and and Mark Lamb, I mean, that, that was your relationship obviously goes back with uh, Chopper for for a long time. I remember too uh, we we talked to him when uh, I guess when Dave Tippett was hired here because Dave Tippett and Mark Lamb coached together for a long time together in the NHL and I said uh, and 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 Chop Mark said to me, he goes, you know, yeah, you know, Dave wanted me to come to Edmonton and and be with the staff, but I committed to these kids in Prince George. I committed to their parents. I, you know, I told them I'd be here for whatever x amount of years, and then so that's kind of how you knew, you know, you know how good of a guy Mark Lamb is. No, Lamb is a phenomenal guy, and. If he made a commitment to the kids and the families, then you know he's going to hold up that end of the bargain, and he's done a good job up in PG. Yeah. How do you think he likes, you know, working with the kids after being in the NHL for all those years? Well, I think he's enjoying it, or at least it looks like he's enjoying it anyway. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's got a good club this year, so it's probably a lot easier to enjoy when you've got a good club. But, no, I, Lammer loves being around the game and loves junior hockey, so I'm sure he's enjoying it. Well, I think we're going to get him on for a Tuesday chit-chat segment. How's that sound? That would be good. <laughs> yeah. Um, we're also going to kill two birds with one stone here, uh, Fierzy, because we're going to get your thoughts on several goaltenders, including uh, Cal Pickard last night, Jack Campbell, Olivier Rodrigue, and then some possibility for Euler you know, I don't know if they're looking at trades very seriously. I'm sure there's a lot of calls being made, but some guys around the league and get your thoughts on that. So we will uh, elevate uh, your game brought to you by Ram Elevators and Lifts. Forbes, best rated residential elevators manufactured right here in Edmonton. Uh, visit TrustRam.com for more information. Did you get a chance to watch the Oilers game last night, Grant? Yeah, I watched bits and pieces of it. Okay. It was, it was good in spots and not good in spots. It seems like so, we've been saying that all year, though, haven't we? Yeah, it's kind of been a struggle of inconsistency. I mean, they looked good in the offensive end last night, but they looked terrible in their own end again. So I, it's hard to win hockey games when you make the kind of mistakes they're making in their own end right now. Hockey Hall of Famer Grant Few, our co-host on Sports 1440. So Cal Pickard, Grant, made his first start in the NHL in almost two years, 22 months. He did play 50 games for Colorado back, uh, you know, six, seven years ago. What did you make of Cal's play last night? I thought he played pretty well. I mean, he made a couple of really good saves early in the hockey game where it could have put the Oilers behind the eight ball early in the game and gave the Oilers a chance to get up and get a lead. And unfortunately they couldn't hang on to the lead and 
but I thought he gave him a chance last night. Mm-hmm. What did you think of his rebound control? You know what? I thought it started off pretty good. And then eh, towards the end, there was a couple that may have got away on him. But at the same time, it's the first NHL game in a long time. So overall, I thought he played pretty well. You know, as you said, he gave the, the Oilers a chance to win. I mean, they're down 4-3 even in the third period. He makes a, a breakaway save on uh, Rodriguez. And then the Oilers have a, a chance to turn things around and go down the ice and score. What is it about the Oilers right now, Grant, if you could put your finger on, that they haven't been able to... I guess, and we were touching on this off the top of the show, to connect shifts at certain points of the game, important points of the game, where they can kind of continue to build that momentum. I, it's hard to put a finger on one thing, but it, the consistency is missing. I mean, last year you saw probably a more consistent team, and it fed a lot off of the power play where you'd have a great power play, they go out, score, and then they would build on it the next shift. Whereas this year, the power play is not clicking the same way as it did last year. And they don't have that shift after a power play that goes out and reestablishes the momentum. So they're missing a little bit of the consistency on that side of it. Mm -hmm. So Stu Skinner with the night off, uh, prior to the game in Tampa Bay on Saturday, he strung together a few games where... You know, he allowed one goal against twice and then uh, three in the in the uh, win against uh, Seattle in overtime. What have you made of Stu's game in the last little bit? I think he's gotten better. I mean, it looks like he's starting to play with a little bit of confidence again, and it, it, he's going to be just fine. Mm-hmm. And that's the big thing is he's, as he gets more and more confident, starts to play better and better, he's going to be fine. I mean, you can see that, the way he moves around the crease, the way he's starting to challenge again a little bit, that the confidence is coming back and he's starting to play good hockey. Grant, if you're with us on Sports 1440, uh, so Grant, now down in the minors where you get a good chance to keep an eye on these two guys is Jack Campbell, but Jack continues to struggle down there. What does he need to continue to work on just to have uh, just a little bit to get to shake things off here and move forward in a positive direction. Uh, you know what? I haven't had a chance to see Jack play in the minors yet, but yeah. I've looked at some of the numbers and such and looked at a couple of the reports and it just looks like a complete loss of confidence is what it looks like. So he's, he's got to find a little bit of success in the minors, get a couple of wins tucked under his belt and start to feel good about himself and start to feel good about his game again. Also down on the farm for the Oilers in uh, Bakersfield with the Condors, Olivier Rodrigue. Uh, he's been in the system for a little while. I, th- I think you probably know his dad that uh, has been a goaltender coach for a while. What do you make of this young goaltender trying to still, I guess, cement and find his way in the minors? Yeah, I mean, a lot about a lot to do with goalies is everybody develops at a different age. So you're going to see some guys that will develop at 18, 19. You're going to see some guys develop at 26. And he's made progressions every year. And that's what you want to see. You want to see a guy get better and better every year. And he's played some good hockey for Bakersfield this year. So is he, I mean, he's not a a big, big guy like a Skinner. Do goaltenders who are smaller already, are they, do you feel that they kind of are stereotyped and are behind the eight ball grant when it comes to what an organization feels that they can accomplish moving forward? In today's game, yeah. I think mm-hmm. organizations are kind of painting guys that are under 6'3 
with a different brush than they are anybody over 6'3". So the guy that's a little bit smaller has to do a little bit more to impress people. And it shouldn't be that way. Either you stop the puck or you don't stop the puck. And I think you look at a kid like Dustin Wolf. Dustin Wolf's not a big man, mm-hmm. but he finds a way to stop the puck. And that's what it should be is it doesn't matter the size of the goalie or not. You got to, you want the guy to be able to stop the puck, make crucial saves at crucial times. So I don't care if he's five, seven or whether he's six, 10, can you make that save at the right time? Olivia Rodrigue, uh, he's, he's not short by any stretch. He's over six feet, but kind of slight, I guess you could say. Uh, Grant Fuhr with us on Sports 1440, our co-host every Tuesday from 9 to 11 from Palm Desert. Hey, did you get a, any golf in in the last little bit too? Yeah, I managed to squeeze a couple of days in. Oh. So. And? Got to do that it, once in a while. Yeah, how'd it go? Uh, we're starting to put a little spit and polish back on the game again. It, <laughs> Hadn't played much for oh, the last month and a half, but we're starting to play a little bit more now, and it's starting to resemble a golf game again. How often do you get to practice? Like, do you get to go out and, you know, just to go to a range for an hour or something? Do you have anyone that kind of works on your game with you? Uh, you know what? I could do that, but I don't. I just play. <laughs> I mean, I, I've actually got, I've got a tournament coming up here in December the national championships for true and a buddy of mine and I went in the qualifier and managed to win the qualifier. So we've got the national championship coming up. So I'll put a little bit of practice in before that. Oh, that's good stuff. So when you just go in these tournaments and and things like that, are you, are you coming in like feeling good about your game or do you go, well, because I haven't played as much, I'm a little rusty. What do you, what are you thinking when you go into these events? No, no, you always go in positive. I mean, I think that's half the battle of sports is you got to go in positive. You're going in worried about different parts of your game. They get exposed pretty quickly, but I'll, I'll put a little bit of time in practicing probably for a week before the tournament starts and I'll get comfortable with my game so that I don't really worry about it once it starts. You know, I was, I'm going to change things up, uh, Grant. We'll, we'll get your thoughts on several goaltenders that the Oilers might be looking at. Uh, trade-wise in our 10 o'clock hour, just because uh, I don't want to rush things in that sense. And guys like, you know, you've heard the names uh, maybe being bandied about uh, Jake Allen in in Montreal, James Reimer in Detroit, Carter Hart even a possibility, according to Frank Saravalli in Philadelphia, Mackenzie Blackwood and uh, Carol uh, Vimelka. We'll get your thoughts on on some of those goaltenders and their traits and what they are like, I guess, on the ice uh, a little later in the show. When you look at the Oilers, though, as a, as a whole, um, I mean, this is a team that really is just still trying to find its way. Like, can you explain why that would be with guys like Connor McDavid, guys with Leo, like Leon Dreisaitl, uh, guys that have been around and, you know, they've had somewhat decent success uh, in the playoffs, but they haven't been able for some reason, 17 games here, to find their way. I mean, and everyone's trying to find an answer, Grant. I don't know if you have one, but do you have a comment on it? Um, They're not playing with the same confidence they played with last year. Last year, they played with a lot of confidence, and they were able to ride that confidence and take it into the playoffs. And, yeah, they got beat by a good Vegas team. And then uh, you look at all the expectations at the start of this year where everybody's saying, well, they're Stanley Cup contenders, they've got a chance, blah, blah, blah. And you get off to a little bit of a slow start, it kind of bruises the confidence a little bit. And it looks to me like they're still searching for a little bit of an identity as to how they want to play. I mean, mm-hmm. 
you look at last year with Bukestead and Costin, they had that the big bodies that could play in a physical game. Whereas right now, the only real physical game that they're playing, Evander Kane's playing that way. And when he plays that way, he's an extremely good hockey player. And you can see it in his last 10 games. So they might be missing a little bit of the physical part. And the back ends had some struggles that they didn't have last year. Mm-hmm. Where, where do you see, I mean, even a guy like Matthias Ekholm, who played so well when he got here and has played so well for over his, over his career, he just seems to be still trying to find his way uh, and that uh, to have a veteran guy. So if you know, he had the, the hip injury coming in. So it's just weird to see him sort of struggling at times during a game. Well, I think part of it is you miss training camp with a hip injury. Mm-hmm. I mean, so you're playing catch up and anytime you're playing catch up, the game gets faster as the year goes. So you continually are trying to catch up and it, it's going to take him 15 games to get up to speed and feel comfortable and when he does, you'll see the player that he is. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's a great defensive defenseman, and he can chip in a little bit with some offense. But at the same time, you've got to be 100% and and feel good about your body. Grant, if you're with us uh, on Sports 1440, when we come back, uh, Grant and I will guest with Greg Wyshynski from ESPN. That's coming up after the break on the Kevin Carrier Show with Grant Fear on Sports 1440. Stay with us. All right, welcome back to the big program. Uh, no morning skates today in the NHL. Dark, dark on the calendar. No games uh, because of the Thanksgiving week, I guess, in the United States. A lot of games tomorrow. No games on Thursday because of football. And then a lot of games on uh, Black Friday. Uh, time now for the puck report right now during the uh, Road Ready sales event. Check out Fountain Tire. You can save up to $225 on select tires and a bonus of $50 off any service until December 16th. Book your appointment at FountainTire.com. Some restrictions do apply as we uh, welcome in uh, Greg Wyshynski back to the program from ESPN. Uh, Greg, you're with uh, Kevin Carius and the Hockey Hall of Famer, Grant Fuhr. Good morning. Good morning. Awesome to be on, Grant. Uh, it's an honor, man. What a, what a career. <laughs> All right, I'll just leave again, Greg. You and Grant can take over. How's that sound? <laughs> <laughs> I'll be honest with you, Greg. Every pretty well every guest we have when we do that kind of intro, that's one of the first things. Whoever it is, and it could be it, the great thing about Grant is that he's touched so many areas of other sports. We've had guys come on from whatever it be NFL, and the first thing they go, Grant Fears on with you? You got to be kidding! Oh, I remember watching Grant. You know this that. So it's really it's great to have Grant on. So. Uh, pretty you got to remember, like mo- most of the time when a guy like me hops on a radio show, it's usually talking to Darren Pang or Brian Boucher, <laughs> you know, which, you know, good solid goalies, but not a Hall of Fame level, if you know what I'm saying. So it's, it's, a, it's a welcome change. There you go, Grant. Yeah, but they're Hall of Fame guys. So. <laughs> That's right. They are Hall of Fame guys. That is exactly right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Pangers are, are a lot of fun. Lots of fun, Darren Pang, for sure. So, um, Greg, you were just kind of doing some reporting on the uh, international uh, hockey tournament. It's not the World Cup, but four teams involved. So what uh, what can you tell us? We did touch on it a little bit earlier in the show with uh, Frank Saravalli, but uh, what uh, what's your take on what's going to happen next year? Yeah, you know, I, I don't mind it, to be honest with you. I, I think the, the more you dig into this story, and I did a lot of reporting on it, you could find the ESPN.com yesterday, um, the more you realize how facts against the wall the NHL and the NHLPA were in just trying to stage something 
that could create a little bit of excitement and obviously a little bit of revenue before the Olympics in 2026. So without having the ability to put Russia, Russian players in, in any kind of international event, um, I mean, basically Sweden and Finland and others have communicated to the NHL that they wouldn't participate if Russian players were involved in the event. Um, they had to come up with something, and this is the concept they came up with. Now, I'll tell you that, you know, for years, uh, going all the way back to when John Collins was uh, one of the people in the NHL creating these outdoor games, things like that, there have been discussions about doing a Ryder Cup-type tournament within the NHL uh, in a mid-season form. And so they've talked about this kind of concept for a while. I, I think given the limitations, both in time and with the Russia issue, um, it's, it's like maybe one of the only things they could come up with. And honestly, for all the skeptics out there, and I know there's a lot of them um, that are maybe either disappointed that there's no proper World Cup of Hockey or just find this to be a little too gimmicky, all right, what, what do you do in that first night when Sidney Crosby and Connor McDavid are playing on the same line against, you know, Jack Hughes, Austin Matthews, and Jack Eichel? Because I know where I'll be. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'll be watching that game. <laughs> it's been a long time since we had a chance to see some, some great international hockey. So um, I'm a little bit more optimistic about its success than I think other people are. Grant, what do you make of this kind of foray going back into an international, um, you know, uh, platform? I always liked the international hockey. I mean, you always want to play against the best players in the world. So I like that part. And the fact that they're bringing it in season is going to be interesting. I think that's the little different part is Canada cup. The world cup was all an off season deal. Whereas you're bringing it in season now. And I think they're talking February ish. Mm -hmm. If I read it right. So maybe you're taking that and replacing the all-star game. Yeah. So, which I don't have a problem with that. The All-Star game the last few years is, hasn't really been that entertaining. So you're bringing something in that's entertaining that people enjoy seeing. Grant Fear, yeah. Greg Wyshynski on Sports 1440. Uh, Grant, I'll throw this, because you mentioned the Canada Cup, and Greg, then you can pony off Grant, because with all the Stanley Cups and the big games that you played in the NHL, the 87 Canada Cup for you, Grant, is still, as you always say, one of your great, great highlights. Yeah, most definitely. I mean, again, you want to play against the best players in the world. And I got lucky enough where I got to do it. So like, but two Canada Cups, a world championship. So you get to see the best players and you like to compare yourself against the best in the world. I think that's the fun part of it. And the Canada Cups were great. They were entertaining. People enjoyed them. And that's what really matters. Greg, what do you remember? You remember 87, obviously, watching those games. Those were three of the best games against Russia that you could watch. Yeah, I'm much more, more of a big fan of the 1996 World Cup of Hockey. Of course, an American. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> no, no, I, I, I think Grant's right. And, and to touch on something that Grant said before um, about the All Star Game, I mean, that's that's kind of the thing, right? Like, is they they wanted to create a mid season tournament that one they can make all the money off of. This is just going to be the NHL and the NHLPA staging this thing. The IHF's not going to really have anything to do with it. Um, and then, and then two, I, you know, I think one of the problems with the 2016 World Cup of Hockey that we had in Toronto was the fact that it was held in September. Um, it, it, it wasn't a situation where these guys were really training for the tournament. They were training for the season. So it, it, the hockey wasn't sharp. The guys weren't necessarily in tip-top shape. And, and in talking to league officials around that time, I mean, one of the things they learned from that experience was 
we'd like to have these guys play something in season when you know they've had a few months of playing uh, with their teams, they're they're in tip top shape, and that hopefully the momentum from whatever happens in this in this tournament can carry over and and build into like the stretch run to the playoffs. So I'm kind of keen on the idea of it being a midseason tournament. I think that the challenge though is going to be how long the break is for the league because one of the things they're still trying to figure out is are we going to have two games in North America, two games in either Sweden or Finland, or do we just play the whole thing in North America to cut down on the break and the amount of time you have to build into the schedule for travel? Hey, Grant, you guys were in tip-top shape in uh, 87 in, in August? Uh, let me think about that. <laughs> nope. <laughs> <laughs> little little different to have the tournament at the start of the year than an in in season tournament. Oh, most definitely. I think well, would we train maybe four or five days to get ready for the tournament. Whereas <laughs> the European teams and the Soviets had already been playing for a month, mm-hmm. so they, we were playing a little catch up, tiny bit. Just like that was like seventy two as well. Um, so, Greg, will this all? I guess push into the following year for the Olympics in 26 is do you, do you see this as almost being a done deal? What, what What's the feeling there? For the, the Olympics? Well, yeah. The Olympics are, I mean, look, it's in the CDA that they, that they promised the players that they would make their best effort to try to go. Uh, last time they had a reasonable excuse with the COVID pandemic and the amount of games that got postponed in the league. And, and, and I guess some also concerns about like, sending all the, the boys to, to um, Beijing and, and what that situation was going to be like on the ground. Um, in this case, I, I don't know if there's really a reasonable reason not to go. The last time I talked to Bill Daly about this, the NHL's deputy commissioner, he did say that there was a number of details that still have to be worked out. Obviously, they're always looking for the IOC to step up and, and make, make this deal more palatable for the owners to shut down the season and send the guys to the Olympics. But you know, I, I think Italy is a different market than some of the others that they've they've decided not to, to send the players to. Um, I think that there's a real strong expectation that they're going to go. And then, you know, you're you're settling into a pretty decent little schedule now. You know, this, this 2025 event leads into the Olympics in 26. Then we do a what they hope is a proper World Cup in 28. And then we're going to do kind of that every two years thing alternating between the Olympics and the World Cup, which is really the NHL's vision for their international schedule. Grant, and you did touch on best on best, but uh, like the Olympics, did you, when you watch Canada and the U.S., I mean, those are, these were big, big games. I mean, everyone in the world, it seemed, or at least North America, were watching these gold medal games. What did you think of them back then? And then having this hiatus and then hopefully getting back to it. Back then they were fun to watch. I mean, I think everybody paid attention to it right from 72 through. Anytime Canada and the U.S., Canada and Russia were playing, everybody paid attention. Mm-hmm. So having that come back, I think, is a lot of fun. The fact that it's in season, I don't mind that. And again, it comes down to how many games you're going to jam together for the players afterwards. That, that would be the biggest concern I would think that everybody's having is once you shut the schedule down for, say, 10 days – the games that you miss in those 10 days have to be made up somewhere. So you're jamming a bunch of games in at the latter half of the season, which I'm sure general managers aren't real impressed with. Mm-hmm. So there, there's some kinks to work out there, but seeing everybody in midseason form, I think people would love that. How much wear and tear, Greg, do you think happens because of, again, that condensed schedule? 
Yeah, I mean, that's that's like I said, like that's why I think that one of the real questions is how long this tournament's going to run, how long they have to shut down the league for. But hey, listen, if I'm a general manager going into that season, lo- load up your roster with Germans. <laughs> load it up with the Swiss. They're, they're going to have nothing to do for like a week and a half except rest up for the stretch run. I mean, be strategic about it. That's Greg Wyshynski. We've also got our co-host Grant Fear on Sports 1440, 9.30 uh, in Edmonton. So, Greg, what have you made about what's going on in Columbus with the Blue Jackets? You know, here in Edmonton, as you know, things have not been uh, great, both on and off the ice with all the changes. But I think that you could say that Columbus almost takes it to another level. Yeah, there's been a few teams that have been kind of a, a little, a little more than disappointing this year. And in Columbus's case, I mean, obviously, like off the hop, the disaster with the Mike Babcock situation really kind of set things uh, off, off in a bad way. Um, the Goudreau signing has not worked to the level they thought it would. Line A has been struggling. The thing about that team is that I, I find kind of fascinating is that. I, 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 listen, I think there's going to be regime change. I thought there's going to be regime change after the Babcock mess. Um, no matter what they did this season, insofar as there being a new general manager next season. Um, whoever takes over this team is going to be taking over a team that does have some promise. I mean, you look at how good Fantilli is going to end up being. Kent Johnson, they've got some good youth on the blue line as well. Um, there are pieces there that I really like, but the sum total of it just does not seem to be coming together. And, and it looks like another year of, of them just being an also-ran in the Eastern Conference. Hey, Grant, have you got a comment on that or just even a question for uh, Greg Wyshynski on another topic? No, I mean, if you look at Columbus, it looks like for as much skill as there is, there's a lack of chemistry. I mean, when you're having to have your best players sit in the stands to pay to get their attention, something's missing. And you can't have that much talent and be that bad. So there, there's something there, and it's it usually goes back to something inside the room more than anything. Mm-hmm. Do you agree with that, Greg? Well, yeah, for sure. And you, and you think about some of the the character guys that have that have uh, been there and then are no longer there. Felino being one that comes top of mind as far as like the role that he played on that team for so long. Um, yeah, the pieces just don't fit. I mean, in, in in their defense, there have been some moves that you know they thought were going to work great and then and then haven't, like Goudreau. And in some cases. They were uh, their hands were tied, like with the Dubois situation. I mean, they get Line a out of it, but but ultimately, they thought they had themselves a number one center for the next ten years in, in Dubois, and then obviously that that didn't work out. So, you know, it's been one thing or another with this franchise for for more than a few years. It really is a place that, having been there and seen games there, feels like a market that could really pop if mm-hmm. they're ever good uh, for for more than like a season. And so I'm kind of hoping that they can get their act together. And like I said, they've got some real good young pieces that can serve as a foundation for, for whatever comes next. But what about Yarmo Kekalainen and, and even Pascal Vincent, the way he's handling things, it's, it's not exactly, you know, the norm for a guy to come in here like that and just really start laying the hammer down all the time. And we all know what Yarmo Kekalainen has been doing. So is there going to be a change you think possibly – coaching or even management in the near future uh, in Columbus, Greg? The sense I got before the season is that no matter what happens in season, it's going to be something that happens next summer. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't know necessarily what the logic would be in, 
in changing coaches in a, in a season that's already sort of lost or, or what the logic would be in, in getting rid of Yarmo, mm-hmm. um, you know, before, before next summer. Uh, but again, like I said, it, it, the Babcock thing to me is, is an unrecoverable error <laughs> in a lot of ways. I, I know that Yarmo and John Davidson, the team president both talked about the, the, it being communicated from ownership that like the, the, what happens on the ice will ultimately determine their fate. Uh, I don't know if that was even ever true, but if it is true, the team stinks. So <laughs> it kind of tells you there, there's going to be probably some sort of change coming up in the next offseason for the Columbus Blue Jackets. So, uh, Greg, I, I always do this to a lot of our you know people that we interview, no matter what they are. And I, when we have Grant on or someone, I say, okay, now the floor is yours. You can ask Grant a question. Maybe you haven't interviewed Grant for a long time. Maybe you have. I'm not sure. So <laughs> I've kind of, and just the way we started talking, the interview, uh, leading things off when you were saying, hey, you know, this is a lot better than Darren Pang. No, just kidding. But uh, <laughs> so the floor is yours. If you've got a question that maybe you've thought about asking Grant Fear, Hockey Hall of Famer, five Stanley Cups, the floor is yours. Uh, it's all yours. Go ahead. Yeah, for sure. Grant, like, the thing I'm most curious about is, from your perspective, what do you think has been the most fundamental change in the goaltending position from your time playing firewagon hockey in the 1980s to today? Is it the training? Is it the equipment? Uh, what, what is it about today's netminder that you look at and say to yourself, wow, I can't believe how the position has developed like that? Oh, I think the, the biggest difference is probably coaching, and then you add equipment, training, the size of the goalies. I mean, you look at the average goalie, I believe the average goalie now is 6'4". So then you add in lighter equipment, bigger equipment. You add in more training, more coaching, and you can just see the evolution of the game. And it went for a while where guys were playing percentages. And now that the hooking and holding's kind of gone away, you're seeing the big men that are athletics that are succeeding. So I kind of like the fact that it's gone back to having to be athletic where you're getting to see the big guys, you're weeding the big guys out is what it does. The guys that can't move, that aren't athletic, they're start, you're starting to see them struggle a little bit, but you're also seeing the big men that are great athletes being able to display that a little. I'll even give you a re-ask, I Greg. Could, I was, was going to say, can I ask a quick follow-up? The quick yeah. follow-up would be like, the, 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 light, the lightness of the equipment caught my attention in, in your answer. Um, like for listen, I have I have no idea about the evolution of of that part of of the kit. Like, what is what is like the the difference between what you'd have to lug around <laughs> back in your playing days and what what these guys wear today? Uh, we lugged around about twenty five pounds, whereas today they're lugging somewhere between ten and twelve pounds. So, wow. and ours got heavier as it got wet. Mm-hmm. That was the other thing. Ours got heavier as it got wet, whereas theirs stays the same weight through the whole game. Jeez. Hey Grant, when was the last year you had deer hair in the pads? <laughs> two thousand. <laughs> See, two thousand. Last year I played. I had a mixture. I had a mixture the last year I played. Oh. <laughs> yeah, that was the old. Yeah, the, 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 go ahead, Greg. I was gonna say, I think the only guy, the only guy that has deer hair in his pads today is Brent Burns, uh, <laughs> just because he has them on his farm, probably. Or, uh... <laughs> That's, a good, That's a good point, actually. Oh, good one. <laughs> Hey, uh, Greg, thanks so much for this. Uh, It was a good uh, little chit-chat with you and Grant. Uh, Appreciate your time, and uh, we'll talk to you again soon. My pleasure. Thanks.
That's uh, Greg Wyshynski from ESPN and our Puck Report, brought to you by Fountain Tire. Ask about their seasonal tire storage once you get your winter tires put on. Yeah, the old deer hair in the pads, eh, Fierzy? That's That was, and again, it just soaked up the water, didn't it? Oh, it did. And part of my problem towards my end of my career is I didn't like the really light feeling. I wanted a little bit of weight in it, so we had a little combination of deer hair and foam. So why did you want the weight on it? It's just what I was used to. Mm-hmm. I mean, you get 19 years of lugging something around, it's a little late in the career to change. But we made it a little bit lighter, but I couldn't go completely light. It just didn't feel right. So I'm kind of lo- how how did you make it lighter? Like half and half, or like it just what did you do? Yeah, it just a little bit of hair, but some of the new foams. So you just a combination. The hair added a little bit of weight to it. Ah, mm-hmm. oh, man. Uh, when we come back, uh, are you in or are you out? We'll do that with Grant Fuhrer when we come back. Right after the break, it's Carius, it's Fear on Sports 1440. Stay with us. All right, welcome back to the big program. Uh, 942 in Edmonton, Kevin Carius, along with our co-host on Tuesday's Grant Fuhrer in Palm Desert. Uh, text coming in to one 1440 This is one to discuss, Fuhrer. A best-on-best hockey tournament coming from the Nard Dog, by the way, would be such a battle. So much talent spread out internationally, but looking at goaltending, who does Canada have? Tristan Jari and Carter Hart. Am I missing someone? So uh, the Americans have guys like Ottinger, Hellebuck, Demko, Nardog goes on. So the U.S. goaltending situation is pretty solid. I think. Would you agree with that, Grant? And what do you? What, first of all, what do you think of the American goaltenders? Yeah, I would say the Americans are pretty well set in goal, mm-hmm. and they've got a, they've got a lot of good young options. I think that's the real difference. Is they've got the good young options and. Yeah, Canada's got Carter Hart. I wouldn't take Flurry out of that equation. Like Monica Andre can still play, okay. so I wouldn't take him out of the equation. Um, um, after that, Tristan Jari did mention him. Tristan Jari's got the opportunity. Um, the one other one, Grant, that uh, uh, that keeps the name keeps popping up is Mackenzie Blackwood in San Jose. How much have you seen him play? What do you think of his game? I think he's really good. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know he was hurt in Jersey when he was playing, so he had a bit of a tough go there, but he's played really well in San Jose. Another guy I would look at that nobody's talked about is Logan Thompson Okay, in Vegas. Hmm. He's another one that would be good. And, of course, we're looking down the road here, uh, obviously to 2025 and even further. Uh, if the, you know, if the IOC and the NHL and the uh, can ever get on the same page, but... Man, when you're talking all the money and the rights and the highlights and the goals, I mean, you never, we never ever see the golden goal because you can't because of broadcast restrictions and things like that from Sidney Crosby scored so in 2010. But that's uh, time for another conversation. Let's go now, Grant. Are you in or are you out? And the Duke of Delburn, again, staying up way past his bedtime to put together some top-notch categories. And uh, he's going to throw some... Uh, I guess, statements at us, uh, Grant, and uh, we'll be going. Are you in or are you out? I'll go first on the first one, and you can go first on the second one. Okay. All right, Jen, I'm in another edition of In and Out here on a Tuesday morning, uh, fresh off of the another Oilers defeat last night. That is where we will start, and it's been a, a pretty good topic of conversation already this morning. The crease with Calvin Picker getting his first start in an Oilers uniform. What I'm saying is that despite 
maybe a goal or two that he'd like back. Uh, Calvin Pickard gave the Oilers a very realistic chance to win with his performance last night. Well, Duke, I am going to go. I am in on that, uh, especially in the third period. He came up with a big save. Kulikov sent in Rodriguez on a breakaway, came up with a massive save to keep the game 4-3. Uh, uh, save on opportunity at a time where the Oilers needed to make a big save and the goaltender came through. Uh, the Oilers failed to get the equalizer. But yes, I am in that Calvin Pickard gave the Oilers a very realistic chance to win last night. I got to agree. I mean, I, I thought he played well enough that he had a chance to win the hockey game, especially early in the game. He made a couple of really big saves early in the game that allowed the Oilers to get out to the 2 nothing lead. And then you make that save in the third period, which nine times out of ten turns the momentum around, but it didn't work in that direction for the Oilers last night. But, yes, I thought he gave them a definite chance to win. On the other end of the ice, Sergei Bobrovsky, a multiple-time Vesna Trophy winner, a multiple-time medalist at international play and widely considered for a stretch of his career, one of, if not the best goaltender in the NHL. ton of great saves last night, and what I'm saying is that Sergei Bobrovsky is still a top three goaltender <laughs> in the NHL right now. You know, Duke, you all, go ahead, Grant. You can, you can go on this one. I'll get my point to Duke in a second. Go ahead, Grant. Um, top five for sure. <laughs> top three definitely can play to that ability. I mean, he has that ability, and he's proved it year in, year out. And come crunch time in the playoffs, last year he was phenomenal. So, yes, he could still be a top three goalie in the National Hockey League. Okay, I'm going to say I am out, Grant, on that. He's not a top three goaltender in the NHL anymore. There are just too many other guys that are better than Sergei Bobrovsky right now. Uh, two of them are in Boston. Uh, so that takes two out of the mix right off the hop, and the Duke is shaking his head. Thatcher Demko's in the mix for sure in the top three right now. Uh, why, why are you shaking your head about two guys in Boston? Just because they split the duties? Partially. Okay. I think their team plays. And yes, they've, uh, they're have they a different looking team this year compared to last when they set all the records. But You never shake your I, head I, at I me, I would have. Yeah, never, Kevin. <laughs> of all the goalies you would have listed out that would have uh, pushed Bobrovsky out of this top three, out of even a top five, I did not think that the two goalies in Boston would have been on your list. There's, a, there's three Russians alone that you could put well, ahead of him. I'm, uh, okay, for, I'm saying that he's not even in the top five. Top ten? Uh, I probably... Uh, I, well, go ahead, Grant. I'll still give him top five just okay. because of body of work and how good he was in the playoffs last year. But then you've got to throw in a Vasilevsky. You've got to throw in Shesterkin. Um, Sorokin, Ottinger, Hellebuck. Like, it's, a, it's a pretty lengthy yeah, list of really good goalies right now. I say he's not even in my top eight. How's that sound? <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, on the topic of Thatcher Demko and the Canucks, they were back in their alternate black jerseys last night and debuting a new look matte black helmet. And we've seen a whole new wave of NHL fashion between Vegas with the white gloves, uh, Toronto switching to blue helmets with their white jerseys, Nashville's yellow helmets, all sorts of differences. Um, but I'm saying that these new matte black helmets by Vancouver is the best look in quote-unquote new NHL fashion. You know, quote. I don't even know how to answer this one, Duke, but I'm going to say I'm in only because I like the sense of how the helmet popped or lack of pop compared to the 
the crazy jerseys and the crazy, you know, the what, is this a third jersey, fifth jersey? I don't even know. Well, it's it's not the NHL hasn't quite reached NBA levels where each team's got like nine jerseys to wear, but I think these are their uh, official third jerseys this season. This season, okay, I'll I'll say I'm in on it only because the Vancouver Canucks need all the help they can get, being a very poor sports city. So I'll. <laughs> That's just another running joke between uh, the Duke and I, uh, Grant. So being a poor sports city, anything that the Canucks can come up with that will help them to maybe get back to the Stanley Cup playoffs and maybe, maybe make a run in the Stanley Cup, I'm for it. Good on the Canucks. They're the best. I got to say, I like the helmet. I think I think it looks sharp. I mean, you look at all the different new uniforms. Every kind of, everybody, you'll look at Vegas. They've gone to the silver helmet, mm-hmm. which... I actually don't mind that either, but I like the the opposite end of the spectrum with the matte finish. And, and just a somewhat related question for you, Grant, uh, as the the goalie here, like, what is your opinion on like when goalies go the full black gear? And I think Demko had a set when they first wore these black jerseys a couple seasons ago, like black pads, black mask, uh, black blocker, and catcher. Do you like that look? Um, I was more of a fan of colors and white, but. It, the black, I, all, all colored gear looks good. I mean, as long as it's not the plain brown. Got a, got a I think as long as it pop. matches your team uniform and it blends. Hmm. Yeah, so if things, if things blend with the uniform, I like it. Monday Night Football last night, the Eagles come out victorious over the Chiefs. And since it was more than three points, our own Kevin Carius misses out on a big payday on his oh. pro-line ticket. But uh, Andy Reid, as noted <laughs> on the broadcast, the most winning coach in not only the Chiefs history, but also... Eagles history couldn't quite get the Super Bowl with Philly but uh, a couple now with Kansas City Andy Reid will be considered the best coach of all time when he decides to hang up the clipboard do you want to go first on this one Grant sure I'm I'm out on that one you still got some guy by the name of Vince Lombardi hanging around (laughs) so I mean and it's he will be going down as one of the greatest coaches but not the greatest how's that I am out on this as well because I am just going with championships. And if you're going to go with championships, you can go with Lombardi. You can go with Shula. I think they have the same. Is that correct? Two and two. Tom Landry. Tom Landry. Also, how about Bill Belichick? (laughs) Let's just go with a a seven-pack for Bill Belichick. So I am out on that one. Duke, I'm sure, well, you, you probably are in, I'm assuming. This is a tough one. I love Andy Reid. I think what he's done for the game of football cannot be understated in terms of evolutionizing uh, offense in the pass game. But it's tough to argue against Belichick, and that's only in the modern era. If you go back, uh, like you guys say, some uh, from previous generations, including mm-hmm. Lombardi, Landry, Shula, etc. Um, there's there's plenty of good choices, but I do love Andy Reid. We'll see what he can do. He's he's not done yet, so uh, still got some ways to go. As long as he's got Patrick Mahomes playing quarterback, I think he has a very good chance to continue to uh, rack up championships. So uh, last one for you guys, steering away from the world of sports. This day in history, the <laughs> season premiere of Dallas, the pr- prominent television program, okay. we found out who shot Jr., which was uh, considered one of the best cliffhangers in television history. I'll get your guys' thoughts on Dallas, but the actual uh, statement itself, what I'm saying, back in the day, and it still happens a little bit, when TV aired one episode per week, you had to wait for it to air at a specific time on a specific day. was way better than today's day and age where entire seasons will come out all in one lump sum on streaming services. I am so in on this because of the suspense. Week-to-week suspense. 
the cliffhangers, even the series season ending, the cliffhanger for next year. As the Duke said, this was when we found out about who did shoot here. They made T-shirts up about this. Grant, this would have been a show that you guys would have watched back in the day, I assume. So I am in. Yeah, I have to agree. I kind of like the cliffhanger. I, unfortunately, when I'm traveling, though, I kind of like when I can watch a whole season of something. <laughs> so, But no, I kind of like it when you have to wait a week to see another episode. And how would we watch last year? The Oval came on once a week. Okay. So a Tyler Perry, Tyler Perry deal. So watching that, it came once a week and it left you hanging a little bit. Hmm. Okay, I've been watching week to week Bass Reeves, Lawman Bass Reeves right now, week to week instead of binging. And I actually think that's almost started to push back towards that thing because uh, some of the new series on uh, like Disney Plus, they only release one episode per week and you have to go it out that way. But it's still like it's not appointment viewing where you're sitting down on the couch at a specific time on a specific night of the week. Um, it comes out on X day. You can still watch it whenever you want. And like you said, Kevin, the suspense of like, yes. oh man, I, at like six o'clock tonight, it's coming out on whatever network. I have to be on my couch ready for it. Commercials, you're dashing to the kitchen to get some popcorn, uh, fresh ref- <laughs> uh, refreshment, whatever the case. I uh, I had that in my youth, obviously. In my entire adult life, though, it's been no, the streaming exactly. world. So it's it's something I kind of miss a little bit from when I was younger. And I mean, Dallas, you had Charlene Tilton. You got you had Larry Hagman. <laughs> I mean, that was JR, but Charlene, Victoria Principal. Hey, Grant, these were stars in our day. They were stars back in the day. There's no question about that. I like the suspense of things. Mm -hmm. Well, that was Are You In or Are You Out? Uh, A really good uh, section and segment of of topics there. Do a good job on that. When we come back, we will uh, check in with uh, Jeffrey Chadia. NFL.com and um, discuss, I guess, what happened last night, everything that's going to happen this week, because again, an an American Thanksgiving grant. I mean, that's a fired up time. You got football, you got everything coming up for you this week. Yeah, this week's a good week. We got a couple of games with the Firebirds. Mm -hmm. We got a little football on Thursday. So, yeah, it's kind of the perfect week and a little golf sprinkled in. Surprising that you would get that sprinkled in. So when we come back, uh, Jeffrey Chidea will guess with us from NFL.com. Before that, here's the Duke with a Sports 1440 update.